the podcast with everything paranormal. It's the 222 Paranormal Podcast, starring your hosts, Joe Shortridge and Jen Shortridge, and a whole bunch of ghosts. Very ghosty. Hi, everybody. Very ghosty. Welcome back to the show. On today's show, we have a lot, a lot to cover, so bear with us. It's going to be an awesome spooky we had a good time we had a good time so we got a show about full it. of ghosts <laughs> and other strange things that happen in pennsylvania before we get into that i want to tell you about a conspiracy that i found <gasps> out about last bum, night bum, bum. now i know we don't talk about conspiracies conspiracies on this show but let's do it this is a nationwide conspiracy that actually is true and i want to ask our listener have you ever tried to get ice cream at mcdonald's and the machines are always broke Always. So I found out on the YouTube. The YouTube. You know how it says, watch this next video type thing. It said, McDonald's ice cream machines are always broke. So I looked at it, and this guy, he's a reporter, and he put together a year-long report on why the ice cream machines are always broke at McDonald's. And? And it comes out to be a conspiracy Uh between the McDonald's and the company that makes the ice cream machines and the fact that they only can be repaired by their official repair person that charges $318 an hour. And the reason Damn. why the machines are always breaking is because they, in the McDonald's manual, it says to fill them up to a certain point and they overfill them. And then when it does a clean cycle, it always comes up like failed to finish clean cycle. So they have to redo it in a three hour wait. And Every time they do it, it seems like it broke. So the technician has to come in and fix it. And to fix it, he types in a three-number code and it, or a four-number code, and it's done, and it's fixed. Well, so that was three minutes of my life I never got back. This guy <laughs> made a website. So you guys can go to this website and type in mcbroken.com, and it'll show you live, minute-to-minute coverage of which machines are broke. Listen, I got a beef with McDonald's <laughs> right now. I'm about to beef on them. Where's, Where's the, the beef? beef? Their shakes are so awful lately. Okay, back in the 70s and 80s, when you went to McDonald's, you got a nice frothy shake oh, frothy with lots of like little icy, <laughs> you know, goodness in it. And now they're just like gross and super saturated and over flavored. And it's just disgusting. I got a, <laughs> I got a shamrock shake and I almost died. It was so minty. I thought I was going to barf. So beef and McDonald's, yo, <laughs> fix your shakes. You're going to have to deal with shorty. Oh. The claws will come out. Yeah. Claws and the paws. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. Anyways. We Joe. went to the Butler Paranormal Convention. Oh, and we my We had gosh. a blast. We had a great time. We met some really cool people. The one guy we met, we talked to him for a long time, and I never got his name, so I have no idea who he is. And he had tons of experiences with UFOs and stuff. He had something to do with the convention. He was with the paranormal group that put it on, That's but right. I don't remember his name. Daniel? Don't know. So if you're a member of the Butler County Paranormal Association, whatever it is. Yeah, call us. Call us. Anyway, so the interesting thing about Butler. So Joe and I have been there a couple of times. We vended at the show three times, I think. And this time we just went so we could go because yeah. it was just nice to like be able to sit and listen to the speakers. And this is such a great convention. I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. It's a small convention. You know, you don't get lost in the crowd. All of the speakers and the vendors are in basically in the same room. There's yeah, some there's in, in a back room. One but, room in the back. But... 
as a vendor, you can hear the speakers. Yeah. Right. And then when that's over, people come and shop at your table. But no, I just like it because it's just really well run. The speakers were on time, although there was one change in the lineup, yeah. which which is fine. But Zelia wasn't there. Uh, Joe was stalking. <laughs> and um, of course, Steve Ward was there. Hello, oh, Steve Ward. Hello. Fabulous Steve Ward. Oh, my gosh. You guys have to go back and listen to it. Yes. Real <laughs> applause. Real applause for him. Um Okay. He is so funny. He tried to give me a poster and I should have just, he's like, offer me, offer me. I know. And I should have just gave him, I was going to give him 20 bucks, but I thought I was going to lowball him. And then some guy came up and offered him 10 bucks and I was like. And he took it. And he took it. Wow. Like, Gone. So anyways, great, interesting information. So Butler is just over the line from Ohio. So it's probably about, what, an hour in? I would say To so, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And it's such a fascinating little town. It's very old. There's a lot of just oldness. Is it to me? It just yeah. is an old city. There's a lot of new growth in the city, but this place is so unique. There's paranormal activity. There's tons of UFO activity. Oh yeah, and a lot of strange things around this area. And we're going to tell you a bunch about it. A whole bunch of go. We have a whole bunch of ghosty stuff to share. You know, when we go into a town, we love to go and just explore and, and talk to people like, where do we need to go? Where's the paranormal activity happening? <laughs> you know, how do we get there? So Joe and I Google a little bit. We talk to people. Um, why do you think that there's so much UFO activity? Do you think it's because of the limestone mines or? You know, it's so weird because, you know, there was a famous sighting in Erie, which is mm -hmm. probably what, ninety miles north I think so, yeah. of um Butler. I don't know. I just think Pens for some reason Pennsylvania in general is a hot spot for UFO activity. Mm -hmm. Bigfoot. Paranormal. You know, it's very, very old there. Yeah. <laughs> Civil War. Uh, a ton of you know, of course, you know, Gettysburg and Pennsylvania, but there's so many other sites around that area tied to the Civil War, tied to Native American land, the limestone in Cleveland, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 you're on the water, right? Like, you know, that whole area, Pennsylvania, Ohio, is just a, just a hotbed. It's a hotbed, hot Joe. Hotbed. But um, I think a lot of it has to do me. with the Civil War stuff because they did mm -hmm. go through Butler. And when I was in Butler, when we were driving around, the houses and the buildings reminded me of Gettysburg and some of them reminded me like New Orleans but all the buildings there I mean obviously you do have new ones but mm -hmm. I mean all the buildings pretty much downtown look like they come from that Civil War era and Joe and I okay so <laughs> you know I get I'm a flatland we're flatlanders yeah. right like Ohio is flat we're not used to all those hills and stuff I'm, it's rolling hills the houses are built on the side of the hills, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I am looking at them and they look like they're crooked. Uh -huh. It's an optical illusion. And I was getting dizzy just looking at See, it. See, I did that before. I was like, how could you ever live in there? When I was driving through Pittsburgh, uh, Pennsylvania before, I did the same thing where you're driving and you look over and the houses are all on an angle and you're like, and you realize that the houses aren't an angle, the road is. <laughs> right. But we're flatlanders. And we, you know, it, it takes your brain a few seconds to say, wait a minute, no, yeah. the other way around. 
you know, if you guys next year, if they have this convention, you should really try to make it out to it. It's a really good, well-run convention. And every year they have pretty much the same vendors, you know, yeah. that they had last year. And, you know, there's beautiful jewelry and leather working and there's always psychics and mediums and I say psychics. Psychics and I mediums. I said psychics or something. I don't know. I had about. I, I was like, ah. Oh, next oh, year I there'll talk. be a podcasting group there. Yes, we will be back. <laughs> we'll be back, and I actually really would rather be a vendor because this year when we went, I was standing around going, "What do I do?" You know, I, I mean, I know we talked to people, it. but yeah. But the nice thing <clears> was <throat> we could go come and go as we please, even though we stayed the whole time. Yeah, and you know what was nice is that. Um, it's one of those conventions where everybody wants to talk to everybody. They don't, you don't even know who they are, but, yeah. but they'll come up to you and like, Oh, so I was looking out my back door and there was this light in the sky yeah. and then it was into four triangles. And th- this guy told us a story. It was so unbelievable. I mean, I believed it, yeah. but it was just so incredible that he has so much detail to this UFO story. It was amazing. But that's, what's good about these conventions. And, and it's weird. Cause like you said, Butler one, it's like they just walk up to you and they're halfway into their conversation. <laughs> like they your, don't, your old friends, right? They don't like introduce themselves. They just walk up and join the circle. Right. That but was cool. One thing I do want to warn people, if you go to this convention and you see a parking space with a hill <laughs> and you're like, Dean. I can park on the hill. Don't do it. So Joe was trying to be a hot rod <laughs> show off and drove his truck Tried to drive up his truck, his truck up a hill, and I'm like, "No, don't do it, don't do it!" And he drives up, and he gets caught on the stump, and he ruined his I bumper. Ripped my, I ripped my plastic thing <laughs> underneath the bumper right off the car. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my gosh! So only in Butler. If you don't, yeah, don't try to drive up a hill if you have a car that's only have a six inch clearance. <laughs> so, anyways, trying to show off during the convention, there was a speaker that talked about a location and we actually went to this location it's called the black cross now this place you drive down this long windy road yeah hillies and valleys and you come up and there's it's at a like a crossroad and there's a there's a sign a historical marker so you know where it's at and it's a very rural wooded location yeah so it's you know it's not like it's a park and it's manicured or anything it's just this black and white historical sign and i'll I'll put a picture up in the show notes and we get there and there's like nothing around it yeah it's just woods and a road mm -hmm. (laughs) you know just and it's just west of winfield township in butler county it's it's kind of a silent and and, um sobering area i mean it's Mm -hmm. real like you said it's real quiet there's no one around there are some houses but I'm sure they're used to people going there because I like that when I was investigating this, I found a ton of videos on YouTube and a lot of them are just, you know, people going and ghost hunting there. Yeah. But in the early 1900s, many Polish and Slavic immigrants moved into the area near, you know, the Whitefield Township to work in the um, expanding industries of like the limestone mines, sand plants and brickyards, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, during this time, the influenza pandemic broke out and there were estimated like in just in Butler County, 12 deaths a day. I didn't know it was and, that many. You know, you, you think, well, 12 deaths a day, but Butler County's small. Yeah. 
they say that it claimed over 35,000 lives in the state of Pennsylvania alone. So these immigrants, they didn't have families. They didn't have, you know, wives. Most of them were men. Mm-hmm. But they're, you know, with the 12 deaths a day, and they had nowhere to put the bodies. So the bodies, you know, were piling up. In Winfield Township alone, there were hundreds of victims. And a lot of them were the immigrants. And the problem is, like I was just mentioning, they didn't have families. They were just alone. So no one really knew who they were. They didn't know their names. And from what I gather, they lived in, like, boarding houses. Um, some even didn't even have homes. They just lived outside. So they were really susceptible to getting sick because they weren't in good shape to begin with. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these immigrants just died and they really had nowhere to bury them so there was a farmer and i can't remember his name that donated the land there so there was a local farmer with the last name of mclaughlin he donated one of his fields to serve as the final resting place so a man and his son who owned a wagon were recruited to bring the bodies to the field where they were to be interred and there was as many as 20 bodies placed in each grave. Now, there were multiple graves. Yeah. Laborers spread hydrated lime across the bodies in order to speed up decomposition. So this quick burial was in hopes that it would help prevent the spread of the Spanish flu that was... Um, oh, I'm sorry. I said influenza before. Yeah, Spanish influenza. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, same thing. Now, there was only one headstone found in the cemetery, and that belonged to a Frank Backich, a 31-year-old male. Now, what's interesting is that, you know, because they were recent immigrants, most of the workers, like you said, didn't have bodies, and there was no church to give them a proper burial. Didn't have bodies? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were ghosts already. Already ghosts. Um, there was no church to bury them properly or give them you know a service so father o'callahan from the saint john's church in coilsville had become upset that these victims were not giving a proper funeral and so he performed catholic burial rites for them Um, he commissioned a large grave marker uh, which you know they formed a cross but it was made out of those railroad ties you know so the the, mm-hmm. the don't they coat those railroad yeah. ties with like tar or they something were, yeah. to like waterproof them I or forget whatever? the name of it but yeah they don't do that anymore because I guess it's super toxic <laughs> <laughs> so the black cross as it became known lasted until 2002 when it was replaced by a proper memorial in a well attended ceremony so visitors to the grave claim to hear very strange things. And Joe can attest to something very strange yeah. happening to him while we were there. Yeah, when we were there, we we showed up and it was small, but we really didn't know where the cemetery, where they were actually buried at. Mm-hmm. But where the, the marker is, there is a new monument. Now, the monument looks just like a bucket that was filled with cement and then flipped over mm-hmm. and put in place. And then that had a cross on it. And within the last, I'd say, a month, mm-hmm. someone broke the cross and stole it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So when that? we went there, all that's left is the, like, mound of cement that was made into a little mo- monument. Now, in the woods off to the side, we did find another wooden cross. Yeah. 
and people are placing fake flowers there so that there's flowers. Now, the few weird things happened while we were there. Weird stuff. Yeah. Like, and cuckoo. It makes me mad that we didn't turn recorders or a video camera on. I did videotape um, a couple of um, minutes okay. on my phone. Yeah. Now, one of the things that happened was we all smelt flowers. And we're like looking at the flowers and all of them were fake that were there. Yeah. Now. It was strong, too. It wasn't like you just smelled it faintly. Like we all three kept smelling it. And so we looked around and in Butler, Pennsylvania right now, it's not, there's no, it's, it's, it's like buds on the trees and stuff. Yeah. So now there's a lot of rose bushes around there which was really odd too and i got pricked by in one the woods, in the arm i mean why would you have jumped all out these road bushes road <laughs> bushes all these rose bushes there but none of them have flowers on them yet no but we we all three of us smelt flowers like you wouldn't believe yeah it was really crazy and now i found out later that if we would have walked farther down the path like i walked a little bit down the path but i was like i don't see nothing I was about halfway to where the cemetery is actually marked on the maps, but okay. I don't know if that's. The it was spot very or not. slippery though because it was started to rain. Yeah, and like the paths, I had flip flops on, so like the paths were, you know, kind of covered with vegetation. So you step on it, and it was slippery. Yeah, and um, it's on a hillside, so mm-hmm. like you would have to have like some good pair of hiking boots or tennis shoes, and you guys probably did, but I didn't. Yeah, because I was not prepared. So going there. I found out like today when I was reading up on it that some of the things that happened to us are documented things that happen. Now, one of them is that you hear a baby crying, you hear kids' voices, and you hear, uh, well, I shouldn't say a baby crying. You hear something that sounds like a baby crying, which we've heard so many times in the paranormal and in the cryptozoology to where... There are things out there that mimic the sound of crying babies so that you go to them. Right. You're like, oh, my gosh. That's your natural instinct. Like, you're an infant or a child Mm -hmm. crying. The first thing you do is like, oh, let me go see what's going on. Another thing that people hear. Now, I didn't hear this, but Jen did, is you hear voices. Yeah. But they say the voices are coming from under the ground. Yes. So you... (laughs) <laughs> said that you heard someone. I heard a woman, and it was like, ah, like that. Yeah. And that's just what it sounded like. And it was so weird because there was nobody else around. I mean, nobody could have hiked in the opposite way from the road because it's yeah, just this long gully that yeah. you go down in. So there was nobody else there. There was no cars around. It's not a road that people walk up and down. No. It's one of those country roads. There's like a house every mile or something. So that was really odd. You know, it wasn't a bird, you know, because we heard birds. Yeah. But it was weird because when Joe, Josh and I, our friend Josh from Haunted Toledo was there with us, walked into the woods, the woods got quiet. Yeah. Like quiet. Like, like the Oz effect. It was weird. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's one of the things that people say happen there all the time is you get the Oz effect where you don't hear anything. No bugs, no birds, nothing. Now... I was standing there by the monument and to my right or excuse me, to my left is a tree stump. Now, when I say stump, it's just like the the trunk of the tree, but it's about three foot high Mm -hmm. and someone tied a ribbon to it. I was standing there 
And I turned and saw someone standing in where that tree is. And they were gray, mm-hmm. and it, but they were wearing a red, like, jacket. Weird. And oh, my God. I, in my I saw mind, him jump, too. In my mind, there was somebody coming out of the woods. I turned, turned back, and it was that tree stump. Now, I knew that tree stump was there because I looked at it the whole time we were there. Yeah. I even put the, the um, K2. K2 meter on it to see if we got any activity in the area. Because it was a perfect spot to put it. So I knew it was a tree stump. But I turned and I swear I saw someone stand there and it literally scared me. I've never been scared on an investigation like yeah. that. And my adrenaline was going for a good 10 minutes after that. I've never felt that way because I swear I saw someone. I saw you jump and react and I was like... <laughs> and you know when you did because you turned so quick. You you know how you go to bump into something and you're like jerking. you and you turned and you looked, you weren't looking at that stump. You were looking just yeah. a, a back behind like it. Like the tree line. Because <laughs> like... the tree line was a good four to five feet away from us. Because mm-hmm. yeah. when you go there, it's like a horseshoe. Yeah. yeah. And there's no trees in the middle. But I swear I saw someone. So I was looking at this stuff that we, you know, the info that we have on this. And one of the things says that one of the most common things that happen. Uh, visitors to the grave site claim to hear babies crying. Many claim that the trees feel like they're reaching out to grab them. And some claim that you can hear dead speaking or hear the dead speaking Italian under the ground. Now, another thing that happened to us while we were there is Jen put on the, she had the spirit box going. And on her phone, she put the translator and she was doing different languages. And when you did Italian, I remember you did German, Japanese, Japanese, Russian, and then you did, did Italian, Italian and then went to something else and not thinking about it. And when you said that, I swear I heard on the spirit box something and my K2 meter went to red. Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah. That was, and why don't we, I, we should have set up the video camera? I know. It was just like one of those spur of the moment, like, oh, you should go out here and check this out. Mm-hmm. And you just never know. Like, it could be just a little marker on the ground or it could be something like we run into. And it was so weird because, like, Joe and Josh were back by the um, road a little bit. And I went into the woods as far as I could go. I had to climb over this tree that fell down (laughs) and it you know i have very short legs so i'm like woo, (laughs) like trying to get over it i could barely get over it. i look like a four-year-old trying to get off the couch (laughs) you know and um and i went over it and i don't know i just was compelled to like make a bigfoot whoop so i whooped into a whoop you know like you do when you're calling bigfoot and i didn't get any response back and then i did a couple tree knocks and um I was hoping to get something, but it was just so eerily quiet. Yeah. Which was strange because normally you hear like, you know, a squirrel rustle or some birds flapping or something. It was like. Yeah. (laughs) And it's weird, too, because when we walked up, you could hear the woodpeckers. Yeah. But once we got to where the grave marker was, I don't know if it's the actual location of the burials, Mm -hmm. but where that marker is, everything went quiet. Yeah. I I would go back. But this time, okay, so um, we're just going to give you a warning, yeah. right? Okay, Joe. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> okay, so. 
lots of weird stuff happened there. We got a lot of activity that we didn't even realize we got in, until I saw the person's time. But like I said, the minute you get out of your car, always turn the recorders on. But anyhow, afterwards, we went to dinner. And we went to Texas Roadhouse back in town. It was so good. And I'm sitting there, and I felt something on my hand. And I looked down, and there was a tick <gasps> walking on my hand. So I grabbed it real quick and kind of freaked out because I've never had ticks on me. And Josh had one on him. Remember, he took the pen and yeah. like dabbed, you know, put it in his napkin or something. I don't know. A few minutes later, I just like creepy because, you know, you get that yeah. feeling. And I raised up my my sleeve on my coat and there was another one so we paid our bill we all went back to the hotel and <laughs> i showered first and then jen and josh we like deloused ourselves we didn't realize you know because we're from the city right yeah. like we go into the woods not realizing there's ticks in the woods yeah we had no idea right i've never had ticks on me so to this day, even today, I'm like still feeling. I know, we're so like. like ah. <laughs> um, so I suggested next time we go, we get those white suits. Yeah. And we duct tape our sleeves and duct tape our. <laughs> uh, you almost have to like. Who would have thought? <laughs> we duh, we don't think that you're yeah. going into the woods. You gotta be careful. Like, oh, we're so here about the ghosts and the, the ticks that got. <laughs> Luckily, got nobody a, got bit. We right? got attachments. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, I looked all over in the mirror and the yeah. hotel and yeah. everything, and there was no more. Thank and goodness. I turned my coat inside out, and I should have left it in the hallway, but someone would have stole it. But yeah. So, anyways, that's just another thing you got to think about when you're going in these locations. Is we always said it's not the living or it's not the dead that you should be worried about. It's the living things. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, if you guys get a chance, it's called the Black Cross. And just look it up. It's on Google Maps. It's very interesting that you're standing. I don't, like I said, I don't know exactly where the grave sites are. Mm -hmm. I'll find out. But just, there are graves with 20 people buried in there. Yeah, there's each. multiple graves. So there's thousands of you well, know, hundreds, hundreds of people buried out there, which is just in the woods. Like, how sad. Yeah. But. But we were, you know, we we go there to, to remember them, mm -hmm. to let them know that they're remembered and we just came to visit. Butler is such an interesting place. I didn't realize how much paranormal activity goes on there. Mm -hmm. I found some other very interesting okay. things. If you want to hear yeah. a ghost story. Okay. And so this isn't really a ghost story. This is a ghost sighting. So in Butler County, there's a gentleman named Ron Kirkpatrick who bought a garage. So it's like a um, old um, Quaker State Atlantic service station. So it's basically like an old old time gas station, yeah. you know, with a, a garage. <clears throat> and the building is 85 years old. Now, when he bought this, you know, he's a retired member of the Air Force. He buys this garage. He's just going to, you know, fix up cars and, and do whatever in it. He didn't realize that it has three ghosts <laughs> in this garage. And he's seen them all. Full body apparitions. And next time we go back, we're finding these locations. Yeah, the for sure. So he purchased it and started fixing it up a little bit. And then, you know, is working on cars and stuff. And so one day he's in this garage and he looks out into the parking lot 
and there's a man standing there in like a duster. So I'm thinking a duster is maybe like a heavy apron or something that like maybe they use uh, like when you worked on. No, it's, it's the the kind of coat the old cowboys used to wear. Oh, Remember it? We were at the flea market and there okay. was one for sale. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. got the big covered shoulders. It's Gotcha. It's like a giant old raincoat. Oh, okay. All right. So he's in this thing. And the guy's standing in the middle of the parking lot. So he like... It's like, why is this guy, dude, standing in my parking lot? And you start walking towards the guy, and the guy looks at him and just vanishes. And now this guy does not believe in paranormal activity. He's never gave it a second thought. So he did some digging and found out that there's two deaths that were reported with this location. The first guy was working um, with a, a welding machine. And it exploded and the guy died. And then years later, another worker was killed when the hydraulic lift failed and a car fell and smushed him, right? So he sees these guys in this place like all the time. Okay. <laughs> um, he has heard talking. He has seen orbs, mists, other anomalies. Things have moved from room to room. The lights flicker on and off. The electricity goes on and off. So he's um, just basically living with this at his, his workplace. He wasn't, didn't believe in it, but he's a believer now. Yeah. Now, there's another couple of really good ghost stories. I don't know how many you want me to read. But just go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So this is a really interesting story. So there's this retired school teacher who has been collecting ghost stories in and around Butler for since he retired. Some of his students, when he was a teacher, used to um, tell him, you know, things that they trouble they got in and and these stories, and he'd hear them and then he'd forget them. But then, you know, as he heard them more and more, he's like, okay, I got to start documenting these things. So there's an old mill. It's called Connell's McConnell's Mill, and so these kids these four high school seniors go up to this mill and it's along the banks of slippery rock creek now slippery rock flows through a deep gorge that's covered with trees and so these four guys are like okay it's supposedly haunted let's go up here let's check it out now these kids get in their car and they drive along the narrow path or road until they get to the mill they pass it a little bit and there's a curve in the road. So they're like, okay, this is a great place to park. We're going to stop here. And they waited until it got kind of dark. Now, the rumor is, is that you honk your horn and the ghost will appear. So they're like, okay, we're going to try it. Well, the horn didn't work. So the one kid rolls down the window and he yells, honk. <laughs> and as he did this, something appeared. Now, the backstory is that the mill was built in 19, oh, sorry, the mill was built in 1868, and the millers milled grains for local customers until it closed in 1928. In 1957, the state opened it as a park, but the mill wasn't abandoned between 1928 and 1957. A caretaker named Mose Wharton was allowed to stay on at the mill, living in a cottage that no longer stands. The only home he had known since he was 20 years old. Now, Wharton was built in, born in 1860 and came north from North Carolina, according to the histor history of the McConnell's Mill, written in 1990 by historian Dale Curie. 
Wharton had left the mill in 1952, and some say he lived in Butler for the final two years of his life. During the time at his mill, Wharton was a very well-liked and always, um, you know, helpful to people. Uh, He unloaded grain for people who brought it there to be milled. But when the mill closed, he would greet picnickers and chase away mischief makers to protect his beloved mill. He, you know, really took pride in it. Now, along Slippery Creek, where the mill is, because, you know, typically mills are by water sources because you know you guys seen it like the water goes into the big wheel and the wheel mm-hmm. generates and spins and grinds the mill or the stuff you mill whatever corn or something <laughs> I don't know wait wait so anyways Wharton was an accomplished swimmer he was a very powerful swimmer he often would rescue swimmers who were in trouble in the creek or he would retrieve drowned swimmers so it's a very treacherous creek to swim in. So as the legend has it, you know, you go out there, you honk your horn, and um, these kids went out, and they yelled honk out the window, and they started laughing because they were like, oh, you know, we just yelled honk. But they all stopped laughing at the same time. What appeared right in front of them was this gray figure materializes, starts walking towards the car from the direction where the miller's house once stood. The boys were frightened, right? So they're like, what the heck? This figure hoists a club or maybe what looks like a bat ready to defend the mill. So these kids are like, holy blank. (laughs) You know, we've got to get out of here. So they slam the car into gear and then try to make a frantic escape. So the next night, about 30 kids went out there after these kids had told their teacher the tale and um, tried to go out there and raise ruckus and nothing happened. Um, They thought maybe it was too much for Wharton. There was just too many people. He couldn't scare them off. But I love stories like that, (laughs) right? And, um, you know, it, it makes perfect sense. Somebody a beloved caretaker, and this happens with lighthouses and, you know, different locations like that. People defend the places that they love, whether it's in life or in death. Now, there's another, this is really kind of creepy story. Um, So this happened in Butler, but this was near the neighborhood of the intersection of East Fulton and Oak Streets in Butler. So, they have a lot of ghostly and unexplained events that go on. So there's a house that's owned by a guy named John Wolacheski. And in the summer of 1843, when Butler County's most notorious murder happened, it was a brutal slaying of a mother and her five children. And this was committed by a man they called Sam Mohawk. Now, Sam Mohawk was a Native American Indian. And he worked as a raftsman. So what that is basically they float logs down waterways. It's like um, about an 85-mile journey. And he would take the stagecoach from Franklin or to Franklin from Pittsburgh. And on June 29, 1843, Mohawk was spotted drinking in several taverns at various stops. Now, Fighting got him thrown out of a place called the Stone House, which is on Route 8. It's now a historic landmark in in the town that's called Brady, which is just outside of Butler. He began walking north, 
when he came upon a farm owned by James Wigton. Now, in the early morning of June 30th, he walks up, sees this farm, right? So John Wigton was away. His wife, who was 30 years old, Margaret Wigton, and her five children were in there. So he goes in. It doesn't say how he murdered them, but he murdered all of them. Which I just, I can't fathom. And usually at that... Five kids. Usually at that time, it was an ex. Yeah, yeah. Because that's usually what the families always had was an ex. Mm -hmm. So he is, escapes, but he's captured pretty quickly. And he's tried and hanged on March 22nd of 1844. Now, over the years, there have been conflicting accounts about his hanging and his burial, but it's believed that he was denied burial in all of the cemeteries in the area because of the brutality of his crimes, right? So those days, it could discriminate when he wanted to be mm-hmm. buried, right? Because he killed a bunch of people. Um, now, in later years, there were houses built where reportedly uh, Mohawk had been buried. It's now the intersection of East Fulton and Oak Streets. Ruth Beck has lived in one of these houses for over 40 years with a husband, a husband named Carl, said their house was built in 1936. And she had always heard that Mohawk had been buried underneath oak, an old oak tree that's on her property. Now, she hasn't seen any unusual activity, but the kids sure tried to dig them up sometimes, she says. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, her neighbor... Wolachewski said that he had heard members of the Seneca tribe had asked city officials if they could have Mohawk's remains, and the body was dug up and reburied along the Conequenessing River. I think I said that right. Um, I'm sorry, Creek in Beaver County. So Wolachewski said he had never noticed anything strange in his yard or the, you know, the spot between where Mohawk had supposedly been buried. But something was really strange going on in his house. So um, they moved in. It was like 13 years ago. So he says it's not he wasn't saying it was a ghost, but he was just strange occurrences. The house contained a very unusual little room on the second floor and their family dog would not go in. it. It couldn't stand to be in that room. It would whimper and and shake and just want to get out of there. Now, it was like a poodle terrier mix. It's since died, but um, just would not go in this tiny little room. Like, what what do you need a little tiny room for? Whatever. Um, So objects have been put in one room and then appear in in, or found in the next room. Uh, Radios and um, all every light in the house. When they leave the house, they come back. All the lights are on, radios blaring, that kind of stuff like that. You know. Like poltergeist activity. Yeah, pretty much. Now, what's interesting is there's a thing called Decoration Day. So Mohawk may have been buried beyond hallowed ground, but in Butler's North Cemetery, which we passed, there's two cemeteries. And it's weird because, like, they're in the same area, mm-hmm. but, like, you go one way, it's the cemetery, and the other way, it's the North Cemetery. Now, a ghostly and prominent inhabitant attracts crowds of visitors every day on Decoration Day. Now, Decoration Day was originally the day to decorate soldiers' graves to honor them. It was established in 1868 and rededicated as Memorial Day in 1966. So 
there is a young woman from a prominent Butler family who they wouldn't say her name out of you know respect because the family still lives there, but she committed suicide in 1930s. Now, according to legend, as told by the late William Campbell in the 1950s, people who were working in the North Cemetery reported that just as it was getting dark, a fog or a mist would appear on a grave of this woman. They don't say who she is, but, and it began to rise until it took a misty outline of a tall woman. The form would linger on top of the grave for about a minute or two. Then it was raised straight up in the air about a hundred feet and would float slowly towards the woods to the west, pass high over the treetops and disappear down into the valley that lays far below the trees. Now, many people have claimed to have seen this, including mm-hmm. this school teacher. So, you know, there's a lot going on in this little town. I just, yeah, it's the whole town just has a weird vibe. Like there was nobody out after 10 o'clock. Well, the bars closed or all the restaurants and bars closed at 10. Oh, it was funny because we go into this um, brewery and it's like one of those modern breweries and it's, you know, like exposed brick and Edison lighting and, you know, just like you would see you it. You see the big tanks mm-hmm. where the, the beer and stuff is brewed. And we go in there because we had been traveling and we just get there and we're starving. So we're like, do you have food? And they're like, yeah, here's the menu. So it's about nine o'clock, about 930. We get our food and we're eating and, and also we're like. They're sweeping the floors. They're cleaning the glasses. We're the only ones in the place. We're only people in the place. And we're like, dude, what's what's going on? Like, you know, like, town's pretty quiet. And he's like, uh, nothing happens after 10 o'clock here. <laughs> we close at 10 o'clock. And we're like, oh, we're sorry. We it didn't know. It was like 1030. We're still. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's no worries. So they just start drinking, right? Uh-huh. Like, they're employees and they're just sitting around drinking. So it was fine. But it was just like we walk out and the entire downtown is like empty Empty. (laughs) like okay but you know there's a really interesting little ghost story here i'll tell you about so there's a baseball field and it's um near a place called pullman standard park now there's a small pedestrian bridge that has been the subject of a ghostly tale so the bridge stretches over a creek which is called sullivan's run now i'm thinking this has something to do with civil war because a lot of times when they named something, something run, it was where the troops ran through. Okay. Okay. So the bridge may have been, or it had been built by the Pullman Standard Company, which was um, for factory workers who would walk across a bridge to get to the factory easily. Now, there's a report when the moon is full, screams and moan can be heard at the stroke of midnight emanating from the east bank of Sullivan's Run. The unearthly and tragic sounds, legend has it, there was a wreckage of a bus. Now, the bus was towed to an empty lot right on the east bank. The bus crashed elsewhere, but many of the riders had perished. Eventually, the wreckage of the bus was dismantled and hauled away, but the screams still remained. So, you know, full moon, go to the Sullivan's Run, go to the little bridge. Um, It's on the uh, West Diamond Street. And you may hear some ghostly screams. Yeah. Ooh, love it. As you were saying that, it kind of reminded me when we were driving into town. Remember I saw that school bus parked up on the hill? Yes. It was like a <laughs> junkyard. And we are like, well, the school bus crashed. And, and But it was basically the same story you just said. Yeah. And I made it up the whole you know, drive. And I was just joking. It was a premonition. And now you're reading this. Yeah. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. It all comes around Ooh. in a big circle. 
Now, before we let you go, we want to talk about a place we stopped at on the way home. And this is the Molly Stark Hospital Sanatorium. This place is huge. Now, it's all fenced off. You cannot get in. And the reason you can't get in is because there's really bad asbestos and mold. And they have it locked up pretty tight. Although, you can see where people will break, cut the fence and break into it all the time. Mm-hmm. Which we don't recommend people. That's how people get hurt. But anyhow, this place we're going to look into a little more. Uh, Josh took down some information. We're going to dig into it. But this place is wild. It was such a beautiful building, but it was in such abandon. Mm -hmm. So it was Spanish style, and it had four floors, and there were a lot of open terraces and and patios Mm -hmm. um, because the tuberculosis outbreak, you know, they thought fresh air was good for that. So we get there, and it's, it's kind of like, a little small park in front of it mm-hmm. and it had some like walking paths and there was a chapel out front too that yeah. we try to peek in you know how you peek in through the little peepholes and stuff and it was all abandoned um did you get any weird vibes being i there? did i got some really weird vibes and uh the i brought my k2 and the k2 was going off a few times yeah and i just swear that i was gonna look up in the windows and see something but i didn't I and to. <laughs> I took a lot of photos. I looked through my photos. I didn't really see anything. I took photos like the chapel. I think it's a chapel. Mm-hmm. There were cracks in the doors. So I stuck my camera in there and took pictures and I didn't really see anything. But this place is really creepy. And I have a feeling it's extremely haunted because of all the deaths that happened there. Now, there is a potter's field supposedly on the land. But the research we were reading up on it, it said that there was a potter's field, but then the bodies were moved to a different cemetery. But does their spirit still linger there? We don't know. And another cool thing that I just found out is there's tunnels. There's 1,200 feet of tunnels underneath what? the land that go from building to building to from the main sanatorium mm-hmm. to the powerhouse. And when I took pictures in the powerhouse, there's a little hole in the in the wall. I didn't think about it, but I took pictures and... I was standing at ground level, and when I took the picture, I could see hanging lights in there. Really? So it was like I was standing at the second level or, you know, the ceiling level of the powerhouse. So it's it's down lower, so that must be where the tunnels all connect. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. It's the Molly Stark Sanatorium, and we're going to find out more about this place. Yeah, I will. Um, I'll post some pictures that we took um, in the show notes so you guys can see it. Yeah, it's really cool. And like I said, we got some really good vibes. You know, I, I swear I was going to look up and see someone in the window. Yeah, I did too. I got, I'm like, come on, ghosts. We're only here for a little bit. Just yeah. stand in the window. It's cool. <laughs> we just want to say hi. You know, like, <laughs> you know how you do. Yeah. So we're definitely going to go back and to Butler in the summertime. And uh, I have to go back anyways because I've won <gasps> the Mega Millions. I hit the... Oh, my God. Wait a minute. So I'm just looking through my pictures. Look in that. Does that not look like a person standing there? I'm going to have to post it on. See that right in the middle? Yeah. Looks like a person standing yeah, there. Yeah, it does. And I'll, that's from the sanatorium. I'll, I'll post that um, okay. when the show comes out, guys. It looks like a person standing there. Oh, interesting. And, wow. Cool. <laughs> well, you know, you, you guys, never know what you're going to capture. You know, that's the thing. A lot of people, you look through your photographs, blow, you know, uh, expand them, blow them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. You never know what you're going to see. I'll have to see if it's in the other photo. 
Yeah. I took one kind of in, you know how you take them in su- su- succession. Yeah, I always do. So anyhow, like I was saying, I hit the Mega Millions. I won some money on the Mega Millions. Oh, you, you, you dollar, dollar there. Four dollars. <laughs> you got to drive all the way to Pennsylvania. So and get I'm your saving four do- that ticket. Yeah. And we're going to make a road trip just so I can redeem my <laughs> ticket. Remember we did that in Kentucky? We uh-huh. had to go from like. Where did we go from like Tennessee to Kentucky or yeah, something? something like, we went from one state to the other. Just to, <laughs> over just to redeem our tickets. <laughs> so anyways, hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. Um, it was our trip through Butler, Pennsylvania. And we're definitely going to go back now that we know a little bit more about it. And uh, if you guys are a paranormal team in Butler, let us know yeah. and we'll hook up with you guys. Yeah, for sure. We'd love to go out and investigate. Also, before I let you go, please, like we always say every week, please go up on our website. We have t-shirts for sale. It helps support the show. And another way to support the show is just share the show with your friends. Tell everybody how great I am. And uh-huh, You're the best. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Everybody. We're going to leave you with some Decepticon. Bye. Dead in five. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See you guys. Have a great week. You're my distraction.